your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Doing so is free and ensures you never miss another episode. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. On tonight's episode, we have a jam-packed show ahead of us. We have some stuff from Winnipeg's, I guess, trade deadline shenanigans. I'll talk about who the Jets were linked to, who they actually picked up, and what I think of their acquisitions. And then we'll also cover some of the thoughts from a game against the Montreal Canadiens over the weekend and tonight's game against the Ottawa Senators. Let's first talk about the trade deadline, though, because this one was a very strange day. I'll have more breakdown and analysis of the entire trade deadline on tomorrow's show when we can take a look at some of the other teams around the league and maybe how they did overall, whether or not I think they actually won their trades, and ultimately what those impacts might be long-term for some of these teams. Winnipeg was not one of these teams involved in a blockbuster trade. In fact, when the deadline rolled around, Winnipeg wasn't even really rumored to be doing all that much. The only thing that we even saw after around 3 p.m. Eastern was that Winnipeg had acquired a depth defender. We all knew the Jets were shopping because Winnipeg had been linked to Nikita Zadorov, uh, David Savard. I think even there was a suggestion of, like, Jamie Alexiak. Who else? Um, maybe Ryan Murray, Mike Riley. These are all potential names out there. Late in the day, Alex Goligoski was apparently being discussed as well, but ultimately none of them came to Winnipeg, and I think that that's fine. You know, you look at the, the trade market, you look at what some of the prices were, you look at what Winnipeg frankly needs, and I don't think any of those guys really scratch the itch. Mike Riley is probably the one that I would disagree on. I think he would have been a great pickup and certainly a big boost for this Jets team. And, like, even Riley is something of a modest upgrade. You're not, you're not really getting, like, a top-pairing defender, but as a second-pairing guy who could maybe be on the level of somebody like Neil Pionk, but maybe less points, you'd very much take that. The guy that the Jets did acquire is Jordy Ben for a sixth-round pick. Now, Ben is, is okay. Um, I would say Jordy is one of those guys who's probably best as, like, a seventh defender. He's better than guys like Sabisa, Batetto, Jay Harrison, and some of these other depth defenders that Winnipeg has picked up in the past, but I can't really say that it's it's enough to really make me excited. Most of Ben's value comes on the PK, which for the Jets would actually be a positive thing under most situations. The problem is that Ben's even strength results have been kind of woeful over the past season or so, but I, I would also say that in, in Ben's defense, he's been playing a lot with Tyler Myers, and to be honest, if you're with Tyler Myers, it's not going to be a fun day. I expect Jordy will kind of look more like a number 5D, which isn't the worst thing. Uh, what I will say is that I would like him to be placed somewhere in the top four. I think Tucker Pullman has very much proven that he really can't be trusted to be playing with Morrissey. One need only look at tonight's game against the Ottawa Senators to get a better sense of why Morrissey-Pullman is definitely one of the most eye-watering defensive pairings we've seen in some time. 
as far as where I would personally slot Ben, you know, if he's not going to be in the second or, or, you know, first pairing or something like that, I would, I would really be interested in seeing Morrissey DeMello as the first pairing. That's like my, my dream scenario, even though I know it's not happening, but give me Josh and DeMello first pairing. I think that that's more livable than what they're doing right now. Your second pairing, you don't really have to touch. I think you can leave Forbort and Pionk together. Sure, they may be struggling a bit, uh, Forbort especially, but it is what it is. You just sort of have to accept it. And then your third pairing is probably something like Stanley Pullman or Stanley Ben. Whatever you really want to do, I don't even care at this point. Just make it some kind of pairing arrangement. The biggest thing is just getting Tucker away from Morrissey. That pairing has been an absolute tire fire. It continues to really struggle. Both guys are way out of their depth, and Pullman especially is really struggling in the sense that he has a lot of the physical traits and skill sets that would allow him to be a really good defender, but he doesn't have the IQ and decision-making. We have Morrissey paired with him, and Josh can't really carry that pairing either. You know, Morrissey really struggles with a lot of improv- improvisation and a lot of really fast reads and stuff, and after the season that he's had, frankly, you just don't want to see him play with somebody who's more of a liability. DeMello allows Morrissey to be more offensively aggressive, which is a good thing because Josh can't really defend, and when he's more offensively ambitious inside the zone, I think that that tends to yield better results. He has like a really useless slap shot and point shot, so it's really incumbent on Morrissey to get down into the face-off circles and try to create offense that way. The current arrangement just isn't really suiting what Winnipeg needs, and I feel like, you know, Jordy Ben, not really the kind of difference maker that I would be hoping for in terms of a guy to bring on the back end to really stabilize the Jets, but if he gets Pullman off that first pairing somehow, I would think that's like the the golden ticket. You know, Pullman and Morrissey together are one of the biggest issues with this team, and one of the main things holding the Jets back from being slightly better at least. There's a laundry list of problems, but that top pairing has been one of the biggest throughout the entire season, and it's still an issue right now, which is kind of crazy because you've got a solution just sitting in your taxi squad in Vili Heinola. For the life of me, I just don't understand why Heinola isn't getting games. Even if you have to bench Logan Stanley, just put Heinola in. I mean, seriously, this kid can actually create so much more on the back end for this team, and he's capable of making good defensive reads. He can carry the puck out under pressure. He can help you on their power play. Just let him play. It's not like Stanley has been completely unbenchable. On nights like tonight against the Ottawa Senators, I think a lot of his vulnerabilities were exposed in pretty bare fashion. So I just, I don't really understand the point of how Winnipeg is approaching this season if they intend to be some sort of competitive state. You know, if you you think your team is good enough and you only brought in a depth defender, then actually get those internal rentals that you're thinking about into the lineup more frequently. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at with this team. I feel like Jordy Ben... He's fine. He can maybe push one guy down um, into like a more appropriate position on the the roster depth chart, especially a guy like Pullman in this case. But, you know, I don't know. The Jets are a strange team, let's be honest. Speaking of Winnipeg being a strange team, we'll talk about two very different games in just a little bit. Uh, The first one being Montreal versus the Jets over the weekend. And after that, tonight's game, Winnipeg versus the Sens and also versus Winnipeg, apparently. But before then... I did want to tell you a little bit about why Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, then by now you know that I'm personally a huge fan of Built Bars. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, they're the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar, with a really soft, chewy interior and a 100% chocolate exterior. You really can't go wrong with any of their 12 original flavors, but if I have to choose, I would say start off with like raspberry and mint brownie to get a sense of what Built Bar is all about. Of course, if neither of those are up your alley, you can also check out Double Chocolate, Salted Caramel, Banana Bread, and several others, all of which, again, are fantastic. 
Built's not content to rest on its laurels, though, and is back and better than ever with six brand new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. I've tried all six flavors. They're fantastic. And if I have to choose, I would have to say something like cookies and cream and lemon almond cheesecake might take it for me. But really, you can't go wrong with any of them. And all of them are 200 calories or less, between 14 to 19 grams of protein and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. They're just as good for you as they taste. So go to BuiltBar.com right now to place your order. And when you're checking out, be sure to use promo code LOCKED15 to receive 15% off your next order. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are talking a little bit about some recent Winnipeg Jets news, and that will include some thoughts on a game against Montreal in just a moment. And then later we'll talk about Winnipeg versus Ottawa, a uh, a tale of two very different games. Let me tell you that. Before we go any further, though, I did want to tell you a little bit about why Locked on Today needs to be in your daily podcast rotation. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked on Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And now some thoughts on Winnipeg's 5-0 win against the Montreal Canadiens over the weekend. This was, quite frankly, a pretty darn good game. Now, it didn't quite start off that way. I felt like the first period or so, Winnipeg was a little bit back and forth with Montreal in a way that I didn't really feel favor the Jets all that much. It wasn't like the Jets were bad. I just felt like off the rush they maybe conceded a few extra chances that they didn't need to. I didn't really get the sense that the Jets were ever in, in much danger, especially off of Montreal's counters, but you do notice that sometimes Winnipeg, even on low danger chances, they, they tend to get a little bit scrambly, and if Montreal starts getting a cycle going, you know, the Jets might be in a bit of trouble. Both teams actually kind of put themselves in some tougher spots because they kept taking penalties, especially in the first period. A little bit undisciplined, thankfully for the Jets, no one ended up scoring against them, but unfortunately they couldn't really crack the, uh, well I guess Jake Allen's goal pads or whatever. Hellebuck I thought was also looking pretty sharp. Both goalies in general seemed alright, even though most of the shot attempts that they were facing I wouldn't say were crazy dangerous. On the power play again, probably this the case where it's a little bit of a different story, but... It wasn't until the second period, until the game started kicking into a higher gear. Winnipeg definitely looked a lot sharper out of the uh, intermission break. I felt like the Jets had a bit more pace, their counters were a bit more dangerous, they were forcing more turnovers, and honestly they were just doing a really good job of disrupting Montreal's zone exit attempts, which is one thing that the Jets historically have had issues doing. This game, certainly not, they were definitely pressuring Montreal pretty aggressively. And for some reason, Montreal had one really bad sequence where I think like Shea Weber made a really nasty turnover or something near the blue line, and it ended up going right to Paul Stastny. Stastny caught Jake Allen pulling out of his crease pretty aggressively and snuck a shot right through him. Montreal was probably kind of pissed about this one, but then they were even more irritated later when they gave up another power play opportunity, and this one the Jets actually scored on. Nikolai Ehlers wristed one past Allen, and there was a bit of an argument about goaltender interference. This one is a very interesting call because, in my mind, I don't feel like Perot necessarily did enough in the space that you usually get called for it to actually be considered a standard goalie interference call. Now, goalie interference is very much a coin flip, so I shouldn't say that there's a standard call, but I will say that it seemed Perot was outside of the crease, the goaltender was too, Perot cut across the space in front of the crease, bumped into the glove, but Allen, I don't know if it really interrupted his play and prevented him from making the save. I've seen some differing interpretations on this one. Some folks felt like it was, in fact, an interference call. I wasn't really sure either way. I felt like it might be a little bit sketchy, but also not enough to really overturn the original ruling. 
things definitely continued to get worse for Montreal when Derek Forbord a few minutes later sniped one top shelf. That was a little bit of a greasier goal, too. I think he did like a toe drag or something around the right face-off circle and just sort of wristed it over Allen's glove or something. I think Allen had the right angle, but it ended up deflecting off of his glove and into the top of the net. After that, the Habs just sort of broke down and I felt like Montreal was pretty much cooked. In the third period, the Jets basically held most of the control of the game. You could tell that, you know, Winnipeg really wasn't interested in allowing the Habs any real opportunities to get back into the game. Andrew Kopp added a power play goal. Matthew Perot stripped another defender for a great individual goal. This was just a performance where it felt like the Jets were basically in the driver's seat for most of the game. Not the entire game. The first period was pretty even, maybe a little bit back and forth. Montreal slightly having the advantage based on the sort of power play chances that they were creating. But after that first period, Winnipeg just started taking over and never really looked back. And so I I would say this was a good performance from the Jets. Probably a, a dominant performance, generally speaking. There were some moments where you would probably say Montreal could have had a goal or two, but thankfully Hellebuck was very much in control of his net. The PK wasn't bad enough to really test him as much as usual, so overall, a good game. The Jets can probably be pleased with it, and I think it's set up for an interesting trade deadline situation. You know, how how much better could this team realistically be with any of the guys at the trade deadline that were available? Based on the acquisition of Jordy Ben, I think you can guess the general answer is that most of those guys weren't going to fix Winnipeg's core issues. The Jets can apparently handle teams like Montreal pretty safely, but I think you start pitting them against a team like Toronto more frequently, or some of the teams with uh, really top-end players like McDavid and and Dreisaitl, and I just really have a hard time seeing which defenders and skaters on the market were going to be exactly what the Jets needed within the price range that the Jets could afford, you know. Matias Ekholm involving somebody like Veselainen or, or Gustafsson, Sandberg, or even Heinola, that's basically a non-starter for me. Veselainen I can definitely be talked into as part of a package with a first, but aside from that, I really wasn't interested in seeing the Jets exchange much in the way of, you know, young core prospects who are probably going to form the backbone of the future of this team in exchange for like a season and a half or even less than that for somebody who's an aging veteran that might be really good for the team, but still not quite enough to actually make the Jets a contender. In a little bit, we'll talk about, you know, one of the games that I think really highlights where the Jets are most weakest, and that's tonight's game against the Ottawa Senators. I feel like everything that the Jets struggled with are are really good examples of why the Jets, in my mind, are still not that close to contending. And to me, I think there are a couple of, you know, proposed solutions that I've talked about on this podcast before, but I think would actually help the Jets and put them in a much better position if they want to make a deep postseason run. Before I get into the nitty-gritty of our grand plan to save the Winnipeg Jets, I did want to tell you a little bit about why BetOnline.ag should be your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs. When it comes to the wild, wild west of online betting, you need to know that there's a safe, reliable, and convenient name you can trust to do all your betting. That's why you need look no further than BetOnline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL, and international soccer are all in full swing. Not into sports? No problem. BetOnline has your back with awards, TV show, and reality TV coverage, featuring real-time updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. Whether you want to place a bet on the next Stanley Cup champion or who you think is getting voted off your favorite reality TV show next, BetOnline also has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds you need to make the most informed bets every single time. Getting started couldn't be easier. Register for a free account at betonline.ag, which you can do from your desktop or your mobile device. And when you create your free account, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing tonight's show with a few thoughts about Winnipeg versus Ottawa. And uh, unlike the game over the weekend against the Canadians, this one was pretty much bullcrap. There were a couple of key overarching problems that I think Winnipeg really struggled with. The first one was that most of the team just wasn't really performing at an adequate level. I think the Jets in general, for me, they felt like they were a step behind the play. You know, despite having an early 2-0 lead in the first period, everything after that just seemed to be a bit lackadaisical. Connor Hellebuck had a couple of really ugly goals against. The defense was sort of absentee on a lot of situations. The Jets gave up like five or six breakaways in one game, which is pretty crazy. The forwards weren't really creating all that much, and then the power play had like five or six opportunities and only scored on one of them. So, you know, I just don't really know what to think of this team at times. I feel like the Jets, they go in and out of phases where you feel like the Jets might be a playoff contender, and then they also have games where you're just thinking, are, are they really actually interested in making the postseason, or is this a squad that's mostly just going through the motions? And in this kind of game, I, I just feel this shows a lot of why I wasn't really interested in spending a lot for a big-name trade deadline asset. I think a lot of Winnipeg's issues are, are at the level where one player isn't going to fix it. So, like, Jordy Ben could certainly do the Jets a solid by pushing Tucker Pullman down the lineup into a spot that's better suited to his skill set. If you put Pullman in the third pairing and give him limited minutes, he's fine. He can handle that completely. But it's clear right now that the defense just isn't that great. And I think the other issue that I've noticed over the past couple of months is that you have a couple of top-end forwards who aren't really performing at the level that you would hope for. Pierre-Luc Dubois, for me, is still very, I don't know, slow somehow? His decision-making and the execution of his plays, they just don't really seem to be at the speed that he needs to be making them. I also kind of feel like Mark Shifley isn't really the kind of game-breaking presence that we know he can be. You know, Mark is definitely creating space, he's good on the puck, he makes great passes, he's got a lethal wrister, but he only ever seems to use these in limited doses. And one thing I did notice is that he does seem slower this season. I feel like his breakout speed and acceleration and top-end gear they just don't quite seem as fast as they used to be, and you factor that in with a lot of a pass-first mentality, and I feel like a lot of what makes Shifley so dangerous has kind of been negated. I don't know if the history of injuries he's had, plus the ligament damage that he had coming off of the Calgary season last year is still lingering with him, but either way, I just feel like Shifley, for me, he's still very good. I just don't know if he's exactly the number one center the Jets are, are really looking for right now. You know, when Nikolai Ehlers has a night as bad as he did tonight, in which he did score a really nice goal, the rest of his game, though, unfortunately just wasn't that good, and, and who's there to really pick up the slack? You know, it's not going to be Shifley. Kyle Connor is probably not going to be able to do it either. Dubois hasn't been getting it done, and, and before anyone says, you know, Blake Wheeler's out and this is a big, a big loss for the Jets, I have to say I don't think Wheeler is the problem here. I, I think Winnipeg in general, their forward unit, and the way that they're asked to play, and, and the general lack of Elite play driving ability is kind of putting the Jets in a tough position, and it's especially noticeable when the rest of the team has a bit of a crap night like they did tonight. Even Dylan DeMello, who's been something of a rock for this team, was just not very good. Nate Thompson was one of the guys who was consistently in the best positions on the night in creating space and deking and dangling around opposing players and actually doing a pretty good job of transitioning the play. So if that's the case, if that's your fourth line doing that and not your top forwards, there's probably something wrong. The Jets really need to bring in Vili Heinola right now. I, I think Heinola, I'm totally fine with him burning his ELC for a season. There's even a good argument that burning his ELC faster is actually going to make him cheaper once contract negotiations, you know, come around because he hasn't played as many prime seasons. So get Heinola in. He needs the NHL reps. This team, frankly, needs his puck moving ability. And I think the back end is just really ailing and it looks very fatigued. 
I also think Cole Perfetti does actually deserve something of a look. He's been tearing it up with the Moose, especially on the power play. He might actually be able to help this Jets team score quite a few more goals than what they're doing right now because he's definitely got an elite shot. He's very good at finding soft spaces. Maybe see if he can do something for your team. The big one, though, is definitely freeing Heinola, and we'll see if the Jets actually make a lineup change come Wednesday when they play the Ottawa Senators again. I'd be curious to know your thoughts on this game and whether or not the Jets need to make a lineup change, so be sure to let me know at HLLivingLocal and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. Like I mentioned, tomorrow's episode will mostly be dedicated to taking a look at some of the trades from around the league and diagnosing where teams went right and where they went horribly wrong. As far as tonight's show goes, though, that will be it. Before you log off, be sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Be a waiver wire winner with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long DFS and Dynasty Leagues. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.